Roller out the barrel vintage baseball podcast. Ah, we talked to vintage baseball players. Coast, coast, water, water. Big weekend just passed in the vintage baseball world. We're talking about events, things, balls and bats. The Gettysburg Vintage Baseball Festival, the largest and best vintage baseball festival in the history of the worlds, just took place, uh, came off without a hitch from what I believe the weather cooperated enough. And this year, nobody died of heat stroke. Now, nobody's ever died of heat stroke, but this year they also didn't. Uh, I know that I... Uh, got a message from a Mr. Anthony Canino. He was very excited, very excited about the fact that his likeness was on the coin for the winning clubs. When you win a festival match at Gettysburg, your club receives a coin. His likeness was on it. He was like the logo, you know, like Jerry West is the logo of the NBA. He was the logo of the Gettysburg festival. And, uh, I told him it's, a uh, quite an honor to have all of those people right now sitting on your face you know because it's a coin and it's in their pocket it's a currency it's a form of transactional wares as it were anyway uh everyone loves the gettysburg festival i assume there's a a couple of days of blah happening once you get home off a big emotional and physical trip like that so hopefully uh, everybody listens to this podcast and relaxes in their favorite chair. Uh, we're going to a section of the country uh, that we haven't gone to yet today. And as I wait for my guest to come in, I figured I'd start a little bit early. We are going to the lovely state of Kansas to talk to Ben Coates of the... Westerns Baseball Club of Topeka, Kansas. An area I've been trying, trying very hard to get to uh, for years now. And I can say years because we're in our fourth year. Uh, there were two, two parts of the country that I really wanted to talk to somebody from. And one of them was Kansas, and the other one is that damn team in Canada that I can never hear how to get a hold of them from. Uh, but anyway, I want to hear about the Kansas vintage baseball situation. Is I don't know anything about it, so we're going to ask Ben Coates everything there is about it. People were commenting all day today on what a wonderful human being they think he is. All of your friends think you're wonderful. I want to talk to Ben Coates' enemies. They probably don't think he... Well, anybody's enemies, for that matter. Anyway, uh, also there was an event put on by the Continental Baseball Club of Kalamazoo, Michigan. I believe it was called the Portage Invitational or something uh, like that. Uh, I will. I don't know a lot about it. Okay, here's what I do know. Chris Fusiardi the captain of the Continentals in Kalamazoo, Michigan, is trying really hard to make 
vintage baseball thing on the west side of Michigan. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to work with. There's not a lot of clubs. And uh, it's pretty scarce. But he's trying new things. He's always trying to do things to pump up accessibility and eyeballs. And Chris, even though it seems to be moving slowly right now, I guarantee you your hard work is going to pay off. Uh, it's already paying off. But I, it will pay off even bigger in the future. And uh, you can count on that. You just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, the vintage baseball community in Michigan is much better for your efforts. That is for sure. Uh, coming up in August, you know, we have the World's Tournament. But we also have the Rocky Point Invitational, which is where I'll be going uh, I'm still playing Kansas City songs. I should be talking about Boston because uh, I'm going to Boston for a week for the first time in my life. I'm going to be on hmm, flying in on August 12th. On August 13th, that's a Sunday, I'm going to be going to the Red Sox game at Fenway Park for the first time ever, and I'm going to be sitting kind of by the pesky pole and because I wanted to view... I wanted a view of the big green monster. I didn't want to be sitting on it or out of view of how it comes into play. And then the and then the next day, the Monday, I'm actually taking a tour of Fenway Park. So I'm very excited about that. And then we spend all day in Boston. And then we're actually going to Salem uh, for some witch stuff on Thursday. And then Friday is our travel day to Rhode Island. And then I'm spending all day Saturday at the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival. And then flying back Sunday morning. And uh, I am so excited about that. Also, uh, what else we got going on? I expect my guest at any second. We got a, oh, don't forget Mike Feeney's aunt in Michigan. It's in Romulus, somewhat by the airport. Uh, so you could actually fly in from anywhere in the country and go to his haunt and get back on the plane and go home. But uh, it's a deranged haunt, and uh, I believe if you go to his Facebook page right now, you're going to see a, a link there that you can vote for him to be the number one haunt in the Detroit area. You should probably do that. Uh, myself, my wife, and my daughter are actually helping out this year at the haunt. It's a... Uh, it's fun to go through a haunt, but it might be even funner to be somebody who gets to try to scare people. And I have a good time with that. Uh, are you wondering where Rudy is? Yeah, Rudy's going to be late tonight. So we got that going for us. And uh, and then, oh, in September, the Roller on the Barrel show is on the road to the Ripavilla Plantation in Tennessee as we're going to the Sulphur Dell Cup, which is the season-ending tournament for all the Tennessee teams. And I'm driving down at this point, but, man, I really want to fly down. I just want to fly down. <laughs> I don't want to drive. I drive for a living. I'm tired of driving. 
Ben Coates is entering the room. Ben Coates, as soon as he hears my voice, should understand that I'm already recording. I'm doing it different today. Uh, so as we get Ben ready, uh, Ben, don't say anything silly. We're already recording. <laughs> oh, Ben, you just connected your audio, and I just want you to know we're recording. So don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble. All right. <laughs> uh yeah, I got started a couple of minutes early because uh, Rudy's going to be late. So, all right, uh, I see you. Let me start my video so you don't you don't feel alone. I don't want you to be alone. All right, so here he is, our guest, Ben Coates from the Westerns Baseball Club of Topeka, Kansas. Ben, how you doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. Uh, what I was telling everybody before you came on is uh, I have I have yet, even though I've interviewed people from coast to coast, border to border, in all forms of different vintage baseball, I have yet to talk to somebody from Kansas. And uh, I have contacted or I've attempted to contact the Westerns on, on a couple of occasions and have been ghosted by them. And they probably didn't see my messages. Uh -oh. It's not their fault. It's probably mine. But I finally have you. I finally have somebody from Kansas. And now we all get to learn about what vintage baseball is like in Kansas. This is very important on so many different levels. So, Ben, we're going to get to you personally in a little bit. But right now, right. I want to know everything you know about the Westerns Baseball Club of Topeka, Kansas. Tell me everything. Uh, well, we started, this is our 10th year. So uh, we are we're still going strong. The uh, the Topeka Westerns were actually a real team in Topeka in the 1870s, and were considered the premier baseball team in the Midwest until the late 1870s. So we're kind of taking on that tradition, and uh, kind of going from there. So um, there are only a few other vintage baseball teams in the state of Kansas. So uh, Emporia has one, Wichita has one, and then uh, Hutchinson, Kansas, just started one. So that's uh, only have uh, only have three. So our our closest competitors, other than that, is uh, basically St. Louis. Now you are you are um, raised to not like St. Louis, right? So when you get together with St. Louis, you you guys, do you have any of that? You're from St. Louis, you're from Kansas kind of thing going on at all? No, no, not really. Not really. So um, St. Louis, like I said, good baseball town. Um, the folks there, I mean, they really, they're pretty nice. So, so uh, um, there's, there's really no, uh, there's really no leftovers from uh, bleeding Kansas border wars. <laughs> what, what year rules do the Westerns uh, abide by? We play 1860s rules. So, um, and sometimes we will play, uh, the 1865 fly game, but boy, what's your, what's your closest fly club? Uh, you got to go to maybe Indiana, the Droverton black flags to get to a, a fly match. Yeah, there's the, we don't, we don't play very many fly matches, um, Every now and then we'll ask the other team if they want to play a fly match just for the heck of it. You know, we'll play a doubleheader, play one uh, 1861, 1865 fly match. 
but uh, usually depending on how many people, you know, spectators we have, seems like the spectators really like watching uh, something that's a little more different, and they like the they like the one hop game, the on the bound game. Do they like the bound game because the games go by quicker? <laughs> well, I don't know that. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's quicker or just the fact that uh, you know coming out and watching the game, you know, for the most part, you know, other than the uniforms, you know, that's the biggest difference right there is catching on the hop. So um, I think people are really kind of intrigued by that. And uh, so we, we, we play that more often than not. Describe to everybody what your uniform looks like. Um, well, since we really don't know what the, the real Western's uniforms we're like, we go with a uh, navy blue uh, knickers, navy blue socks, and a white muslin shirt with an old English W on it. So we're, it's, it's, a, it's period correct, but we don't, we, of course, we don't know what the, we have yet to find a picture of the Topeka Westerns. That is our, that is our holy grail of pictures right now. We have found all sorts of newspaper accounts and things like that, but nothing that says what their colors are or a picture. Okay, everybody out there listening, you have you have your mission if you choose to accept. I just, <laughs> there you go. I just I just watched Mission Impossible it. yesterday, so I'm uh, this is going to uh, you know this message will self destruct. Uh, go out there. Find a picture of the Topeka Westerns. How long have you guys had these uniforms? Is this 10 years strong on these uniforms? Yeah, I think this is our nine years on the uniforms. The first year, we actually um, we didn't play a whole lot. We basically played the Wichita team that had some extra uniforms. So we played uh, in their against them and their extras. But after that, yeah, we are, we're nine years strong on these. So, so it's, the nice thing is the, our shirts are white. They're muslin. So when it gets really hot here, all those guys in those really period, correct, heavy polyester, don't breathe, you know, we're still staying fairly cool. Oh yeah. And that, that definitely helps, but you're, you're due for new uniforms. We need people to find a picture, find the new uniform. There we go. Uh, yes. I, I know after I know where exactly where I'm going to go look, uh, <laughs> there's a place I'm going to go look, uh, uh, when I have a chance to see if I run across this. So it's we're in the middle of summer right now, Ben, and everybody's hitting the major events of the vintage baseball schedule. In Kansas, what is the Super Bowl? What is the big one that you look forward to every year? Um, Really, there's really only kind of, of two. Over Memorial Day, we have our Free State Baseball Festival where we'll have anywhere from three to six teams, depending on who wants to travel. And then there's usually a, a, a Kansas festival um, later in the year down in Wichita. But since there's not a whole lot of teams in Kansas, the Western, we do, a, we do a lot of travel. So we are out in Victor, Colorado here in June. We usually go to Menominee, Wisconsin every couple years. Um, usually go to St. Louis every year. So we, we travel quite a bit. And uh, I see you've gone to uh, the Field of Dreams. How You guys being relatively close, how far of a drive is that for you? It's about six and a half hours. That's very reasonable. How many times have you guys traveled to uh, Field of Dreams? 
Uh, we've only been there once, but we're traveling again in the end of August to play the Brooklyn Atlantics. Oh my goodness. Uh, that so. is so funny. Uh, I ju- I was just talking before you came in. Uh, I am, I am friendly with some of the Atlantics and Anthony Canino was telling me how he was the face of the coin at Gettysburg this weekend. They give away a coin to the winning teams. And uh, he was very excited about that. And here you are playing the Brooklyn Atlantics at the Field of Dreams. It's a small, big, small world, Ben. Yes, yes. Uh, And hopefully they haven't completely destroyed the aura of the Field of Dreams situation yet. They yeah, will. I know. I, I, I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm lucky enough that we got to play there a couple of years ago against a team from Michigan, and then I've been there once with my son before they built the Major League Park. So at least, uh, at least we've got to, uh, to, um, you know, have have that experience before. I don't want to say ruined it, but it's it's probably not the same. Yeah, the Major League Park edition, which doesn't, ex- I don't think it's there anymore. I think that got tore down. Uh, cause that was always supposed to be a temporary situation from what I understand. You can actually go back in the archives of this, Ben. We have an episode that starts out with a gentleman that knows all about the field of dream situation. And, uh, we talked to him and he's got all the information, but, uh, but they're raping the land <laughs> and putting a bunch of other stuff up. And it, what started out as a baseball friendly youth kind of experience has grown and grown and grown into hotels and, and, and yeah. So not great unless it's probably going to be good business. They're not going to be, uh, hurting for business. I would assume. No, no, it's funny. Um, look, we're looking for, you know, looking for some places to stay and we got on, uh, you know, at least I got on Airbnb and the Verbo or the VRBO and, you know, all that stuff close to field of dreams, close to field of dreams. I mean, everything is there. Uh, Telling you how close they are. Do you remember, and let me give you some context to this. I remember when I went to the field of dreams that I was surprised by how emotional it, it was to me for just being a film location, not a historic site, but a film location. Right. And it still had a pull on my heartstrings. What was your experience with with the aura of Field of Dreams? Um, I kind of had two separate experiences. The first one was um, probably every father's dream who loves baseball. I got to go there with my son when he was about 12, 13 years old. So uh, we went up there and uh, we got to play catch, cut on the field. But the great thing about it is baseball, to me, is such a, a sport that just builds some instant camaraderie with other people that you meet. There were two gentlemen up there in their 60s and then a couple other kids that are about 10, 12 years old, and we're all playing we're all playing catch. And, you know, the older gentlemen are sort of ex-college uh, baseball players back in the day. And they, uh, they sat there and go, man, it's too bad that no one brought a bat from the one Fellas, I got one in the car. Let me go get it. So uh, um, it was great. They were uh, they were they were living their best life, and I ended up basically pitching batting practice for about an hour and a half in some July heat at Field of Dreams to let a couple of late '60s guys kind of uh, relive some baseball and 
then uh pitched all the kids and uh you know and then then let them pitch to me but that was that was a really great experience to I me mean, that's what being up there with your son i mean other with other people that was really you know um a place where a bucket list of place to go and then um our second experience against michigan was you know up there to play up there to play a real game and it's uh it's amazing that when we travel we always try and get a full team but the minute you say you're going to field of dreams everybody and their sister wants to go to that one so we had we had plenty of players <laughs> Yeah, that's when you don't have to worry about numbers on. One of the few you don't have to worry all the way up to. That's right. That's right. I always say vintage. What a great team bonding experience. I always say vintage baseball players love playing vintage baseball until Friday night. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, I could go there. I could go to the lake with my wife and my kids. Or- uh-huh. Yeah. But that's. But that's one event you don't you don't have to worry about that. Uh, how that's is right. on that note? How are the numbers in Kansas? Uh, the participation level going? We have we have a pretty solid eight to ten that that can play all the time. And if we play in town, our home games, you probably have another four or five that show up that don't travel very well. You know, they just can't. I mean, they have. 10, 12 year old kids. And of course they got baseball or the other or softball or things like that. So it gets tougher. Um, some of the other teams, I think, uh, they're the same way. I mean, they, they always have to put a call out and hope they have enough, but, um, it's, it's, it's amazing how many people that come out and watch us play. They go, Oh man, that is, that's fantastic. You want to play? Oh, I'd love to play. And then you give them a call next year and <laughs> nothing. Yeah. You know, they, they they get caught up and it's like, hey, we're always looking for people, you know, and then and then nothing. So, but um, I like to see the numbers increase because we're uh, we're getting older. We like to get a few younger kids who uh, who uh, take over. We have we do have some younger kids in the sixteen to eighteen range who are sons of you know dads, but it'd be nice to get some more in the in the twenties who you know can kind of pay their own way, drive. <laughs> Run around the you know, outfield. T- take over a few of the responsibilities. Like running after fly balls. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, they can, they can, you know, that, that can run and, and still move the next day. Young legs, yes, young legs that feel no pain and just keep going, yes. Uh, every vintage baseball team knows exactly what you're talking about as uh, the gentlemen that start the club uh, stay with the club, hold most of the responsibilities of the club are starting to get up there in age a little bit. And, uh, you need the youth. You got to find the youth. And <laughs> yeah, we do. We have three, we have three managers. So we have, uh, I'm the oldest person on the team. I'm i uh, I'll be 55 this year. And then we have another one is, I think he's 50. And another one is in his 30. So we kind of have three, uh, three managers. We all kind of take some, uh, some different responsibilities, but, uh, it's, it's a good team. It's, it's the summer family. Could you take a second and describe your home field to everybody? Yeah, we play, um, in Topeka out of, in Southeast Topeka's Lake Shawnee, which was, uh, I believe is built during WPA, but, uh, we, uh, we play in an empty field right across from a place called Ted Ensley Gardens, which is famous for their tulip festival in spring. 
So it is a big open field that has some uh, some nice shade trees that people can sit under. And there's also a uh, there's also a tree out in center field that if you hit it far enough, and it's kind of easy to reach, that uh, can play uh, can play havoc with some outfielders, which we think is kind of a an interesting part of the game is uh, having to play the tree. I love playing with trees in a, in a baseball field. I don't know why. It's character that I enjoy. Uh, it makes every field different uh, as opposed to yep. just a big flat uh, piece of land, which there's really nothing wrong with that either, but I just like the different. Tell me about the field that you personally enjoy to travel to the most. I tell you what, that's the field that I enjoy to we played in Victor, Colorado in June, and that may be the kind of the coolest field in the Gold Bowl that we played at. Uh, the only drawback is being a flatlander, uh, Victor's at almost 10,000 feet. <laughs> so uh, you're trying to find air whenever you can when, <laughs> when, you're, when you're running. But it is a, it is a great old uh, field, even though it does have a backstop. But he hit it far enough. They have a wooden fence in back and a hill that goes straight up. But it is, and the backdrop is the old mining town, which is, I mean, it's still the real town. So it's a great, it's really a real, probably my, the favorite place we probably went so far. Now, our favorite place to play, I would have to say, when we go to Menominee every two years for their festival, uh-huh. those guys, those guys are a lot of fun and uh, they treat us real well. And uh, they know that we like beer, so we get along great. <laughs> uh, there's one thing vintage baseball players uh, love. It's their beer. Uh, That's right. That is that is an event we hear about and have teams from Michigan and Ohio travel to. Uh, from what we hear, it's a wonderful event. And uh, we've actually interviewed Dustin uh, on, on here in an episode. Bad dog, yeah. And, uh, oh, I think he commented about you today. Uh, he likes you. You should know that. Yeah. He's yeah. Mad dog's a good, mad dog's a good dude, man. He, he really is him and, and all, all the rest of those guys, they, uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. They are, they're in fact, one of the first times we played them, we played them, it's been about six years ago and, uh, storm came in and went from about 67 to nice 67 degree day to, Pouring rain dropped down into about the high 40s and started hailing about pea-sized hail, and uh, we ended up playing basically two more innings in in the freezing rain and hail because they said, "You want to play?" And we all went, "Hell yeah, we're here to play ball!" And they go, "Hot damn! All right, let's go!" So we got some great pictures, and every time we get together and start putting a few back, first thing is, "Man, you remember that damn hail game?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... That seems somewhat scary and impossible to play in hail. Uh, uh, the ball gets hit in the air. Is it not being redirected uh, by the hail? Well, I don't know. By that point, you're just you're just hoping to see the damn ball. <laughs> That's right. You don't care. <laughs> if, it, if it moves quarter an inch, I'm not sure you see that. You're just hoping you're getting close. So, so yeah, Dustin commented that you're a true gentleman of the game. There's no finer compliment than that. Uh, Jeffrey Schnell said that, uh, is your, is your vintage nickname big train? Yes, I'm big train. 
So tell me and how you Jeff got Shell is one. Go ahead. How I got that? Yeah. Well, when we were uh, when we first started, everyone kind of got to pick their own nickname. And if you didn't pick your own nickname, then we came up with one for you. And now any new player, we get to pick their name. But since I was on the first team, I I picked mine. So being a native Kansan, it is in in homage to Walter Johnson, the big train, who was born in Humboldt, Kansas. So and I'm also a bigger guy, so I'm about I'm sitting about six two two sixty. So it's the uh, um, I'm a little bigger guy too. I went by Big Train because he's always been fascinating to me. One of the first five elected into the Hall of Fame, one of only two native-born Kansans in the Hall of Fame, with the other being uh, Joe Tinker or the famous Tinker Devers, the Chance. This picture I used of you to promote the episode. Tell me about this pipe that you have in your mouth. Well, you know it that that picture was just taken a couple of weeks ago down in Wichita for the when they played over July Fourth, and so uh, I think I've been. I've been using that for about seven years now. I've always enjoyed cigars. And then uh, uh, my kids bought me a pipe. I kind of started enjoying that. And I started thinking, you know what? We're trying to put on a good show. And I go, what, what would be better than me out there warming up with a damn corn cob pipe? So I am a, so I smoke my pipe when we're warming up and in between innings. And I am a, I'm now kind of known for it. In fact, last time we were up in Menominee, Mad Dog uh, got all excited because he had bought a pipe and he, he couldn't wait to sit down and have a beer and smoke a pipe together. So that's a that's a fully functional pipe that you shove oh, yeah. tobacco in and just and and light it just like a normal pipe. That's nothing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But you only oh, yeah. use that during warm ups. You don't do it during the game. Oh, and I'll smoke it in between innings. Oh, okay. So I'll I'll smoke it in between innings. So I haven't I haven't, I haven't played with it yet. You know, out the field with it yet. But. So if you didn't, no, if you didn't pick your own nickname, I assume uh-huh. that your nickname would be something to do with that pipe. You're probably you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, when you and, when you travel around uh, with your club to the various places you go, and and you said you got you got a good core of nine and t- nine or ten guys you gone on for traveling, uh-huh. and then you got four or five that show up for home matches or whatever. Right. When you travel, do you have off the top of your head? Do you got a story, a traveling story of your club of something that went wrong, something that went right, just a crazy story? Oh, let's see. Um. Yeah, we were playing in St. Louis, oh, I don't know how many years ago. And, of course, we're looking for a less expensive place to play or to stay. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis is getting kind of expensive. So we stayed in Cahokia, Illinois, across the river, which is – we kind of explained it as kind of East St. Louis's better-looking cousin, right? <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't anything great. But we went to we went to ball game one night, and uh, we could go to the casino and hop the train, went to Bush Stadium. Came back, went to the casino, stayed there kind of late. And uh, me and Jeff Shell, whose nickname is Shotgun, and uh, he and I are going through White Castle about 1 a.m. We get a call from the other manager, um, Aaron Pirate Staub. And Pirate goes, what are you guys doing? And I said, we're in White Castle. Like, what's up? He goes, my GPS took me someplace 
over in East St. Louis that looks like where they bury the bodies. Uh, I have no clue where the hell I'm at. <laughs> I go, I go, he goes, can you come find us and get us the hell out of here? My GPS just went wonky. And we, hey, do you see any light anywhere? He goes, yeah. I started going, he goes, oh, thank God. He goes, it's a gas station. I go, go to the gas station, park <laughs> under the light until we get there. <laughs> so about 10 minutes later, we found him. And we, we, we took them out of there. So um, that's probably one of the better stories that and, uh, you know, other ones just more entailed with, you know, a couple of guys maybe sweating out too much beer the morning after. <laughs> but uh, but that and the other thing that we do is um, that we do as a team is uh, in every state that we visit or drive through when we travel we stop and play a quick game of wiffle ball. Oh, nice. So we now have a, a yellow plastic wiffle ball bat. We take a Sharpie. We've now been to nine different states. So we put a state on there. So we played in, oh, truck stop parking lots, casino parking lots, restaurant parking lots, hotel parking lots, um, parks. Um, one of our guys got married in Montana. So there was four of us that went up for that wedding. So we played a quick game of wiffle ball at his reception that was outside. We nice. got to put Montana on the bat. So uh, that's kind of one of the things that uh, we do. So hopefully next year, um, I think we're going to go play up in South Dakota. One of the gentlemen from, uh, I think, Afton. Is it Afton, Minnesota? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, gave us a call. So I think we're going to go up and play South Dakota so we can uh, we can put South Dakota on that bat. I think we're only about where we're going to play is less than 20 minutes from North Dakota. So we might have to take a, a quick trip up there and play a quick game to get another notch on the bat. So you're going to meet Afton in South Dakota or are there South Dakota clubs that exist? They have some kind of festival that they play on a historic grounds and they have a civil war reenactment. Oh, okay. So I think there are more than, there are more than one other team. So, uh, the guys from Anomaly told him that, hey, those Topeka guys travel pretty well. So he shot me a message and invited us up. So I think we're going to, I think we're probably going to go. Uh, ben, what is the state bird of Kansas? It's the meadowlark. Is that why the, uh, what, okay, so it's not the Jayhawk. Those are different birds, yes? Yes. Okay, so the it's Jayhawk. The Jayhawk goes back to leading Kansas pre-Civil War. So it was um, the people who defended, basically, we'll say defended Kansas from the the pro-slave state Missouri ruffians called themselves the Jayhawkers. So that is where that is where Jayhawk comes from. It goes back to the 1850s and uh, bleeding Kansas pre-Civil War. A man that knows his stuff. Tell us what the big well is in Kansas. Oh, the big well down in uh, Greens Greensburg, I believe, is the world's largest hand-dug well. Why was it dug? They needed the water, brother. So it was just, they needed, so why was it the largest one? Is they needed that much water or that just, yeah, it get, just worked get, out that way? 
No, you get down around there and it, it gets pretty arid. You get parts of Kansas that are that are really pretty darn dry. So um, as far as I know, that's that's quite a ways away from Topeka. But yeah, it's just the largest hand dug well. And and also we also have the world's um, largest ball of twine. So we got that going for us too. Oh my God! What movie was that in? The largest ball of twine. Uh, she's somebody wanted to go see the largest ball of twine. It's in a movie. Oh my God! I'm gonna get messages from everybody telling me what that was. Oh, was that was that the original Vacation? It it might have been. I it think mu- that was the original Vacation. Is that is that anything associated with the Barbed Wire Museum in Kansas? No, it is not. No, it is not. What <laughs> is a stupid question coming in right now? What's in the barbed wire <laughs> museum? <laughs> um, I I have not been to the barbed wire museum, but believe it or not, there are a bunch of different types of barbed wire. They are not all. They don't all have the same barbs. They all kind of do now, but back in the day, there was varying types of barb well i believe it there's like a thousand different kinds of cereal of course there's different kinds of barbed wire uh (laughs) it wouldn't be america without 17 different barbed wires to choose from that's right that's right (laughs) uh you got a uh you still got about a half a season left in your schedule there ben what do you got Uh coming up on your schedule we play in poria on saturday and then um we go to Field of Dreams in August. I can't remember off the top of my head. We have another August date in there. And then September 9th, I believe, we have some gentlemen coming in from Illinois who uh, they let me know. Um, a couple of them have some Kansas University um, connections. One of them's daughter is in the KU band. And some other ones went to, of course, the University of Illinois, so uh, Kansas University and the University of Illinois are playing a football game on Friday, September 8th. So those gents are coming in for the game, mm. and they're going to stick around for the next day. And uh, we're going to play a little. Uh, we're going to play a little baseball. Nice. So, and they're going to come to our uh, our KU uh, tailgate. So we're going to try and get those guys liquored up a little bit so they don't play in there as well the next day. Oh yeah, you got to do that. It. Uh, and it does work. Yeah, it does work. Uh, that's just being. That's just being. That's just hospitality. <laughs> it absolutely is. How far away is Wichita from Topeka? About two hours. About two hours south. Okay, so there's there's another museum I got to ask you about. It's the Coleman Lantern Museum. Do you know anything about the Lantern Museum in Wichita? No, I do not. Other than the fact that Coleman is. The, the company is um, based in Wichita. Okay. Well, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know that there's a gentleman, uh, I won't say his name, but he's a, a very well-known baseball historian with the regular baseball club of Mount Clemens, Michigan, Paul Hunkley, who <laughs> refuses to come on the show because he feels everyone's going to disregard all of his facts and he's not wrong. They do generally, but uh, the facts are important, and he's misunderstanding how important that is. But he's also a lantern collector, 
And he will not really? talk to me about his lantern collection, which is what I really, I don't care about baseball. I don't want to talk to him about baseball. I can talk to anybody about baseball. I can't talk to anybody about a lantern collection and he won't let me do it. <laughs> Damn it, Paul. You just want him. <laughs> you just want him to shed some light on that collection. Oh my God. Oh, that was, that was a setup. <laughs> that was a setup, man. That was a softball. Oh, it was. And you, you knocked it out of the park. That was wonderful. Uh, trivia question about Kansas. What is the state reptile? The barred tiger salamander. Nope. Not according to my statistics. According to what I Oh, no, that's dope. Did he say, what was it? The state reptile. I didn't say what it is yet. But it's not a salamander. Reptile, is it? Reptile, is that the, uh, is it a reptile? Oh, you're going to run out of time on this. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not a rattlesnake, is it? No, it's an ornate box turtle. Oh, yes, I knew that. The ornate box turtle. No, the salamander is a state amphibian. Who was the... The Kansas, what do you call yourselves? Kansasans? Kansan? Kansan? Kansans. What Kansan served as vice president? Uh, Charles Curtis. <laughs> you know, you know too much of this stuff. I don't have to keep going with and this. And he was also, he's also the first and only uh, vice president of Native American descent. All right. I'm going to ask this one because it seemed like it was a little bit more difficult. Along the southern border of Kansas in 1893, many folks lined up and waited patiently or impatiently for the Cherokee Strip Land Run to begin. The Cherokee Strip Land Run. What town did they wait? You said southeast? S- southern. You said southeast? I said southern border of Kansas. Southern border of Kansas, 1893, for the Cherokee Strip Land Run to begin. Man, southern border. I can give you, let me give you this little bit of factoid. There were approximately 115,000 settlers that raced over the Kansas border to Oklahoma Territory to claim their share of over 6 million acres of Cherokee land. This was the largest land run ever in the United States. The Cherokees were paid over $8.5 million. There is a museum dedicated to that event in Enid, Oklahoma. But what is the what is the town they waited to run from? Oh, my goodness. You're going to learn something today, of, Ben. I'm trying to think of the <laughs> furthest town. Right, I know there's a town right on the border. It's probably got to be down around Coffeeville somewhere. Um. Man, I don't know, man. The answer is Arkansas City. Oh, in Ark City. You know, now, hold so on, I, hold on. Okay. Now hold now hold on. If you're from here, it's Arkansas City. It's not Arkansas City. It's Arkansas City. So is that the you cor- said it wrong? Is that the pr- correct pronunciation of Arkansas? We all say it wrong. It's Arkansas. When you're in Kansas, it's Arkansas. What is it when you're in Arkansas? In our, it's Arkansas. So in or are you in Arkansas? Oh, or if you're in the state? Yeah, yeah. How do they oh, pronounce yeah, it's it? It's Arkansas when you're in the state. When you're over oh. here, it's, it's Arkansas. 
So, okay. Uh, <laughs> so it, do you do and that? We just call, call it Ark City. Ark City, yeah. Uh, does it drive them crazy when you say Arkansas? I would probably have to care first to think oh, about that. Oh, so you have hate <laughs> for Arkansas? Okay. Well, they they they, they got us in the uh, they they got us in the Liberty Bowl this year, so I'm I'm still a little chat. Oh, that's right. Uh, college Double football, huge in that part of the country. Uh, it's pretty huge in my part of the country too. Kansas, how is a Kansas seem to be now? I don't pay a lot of attention to Kansas. I'm not going to lie, but they seemed in the little bit that I pay attention to them, like they were getting much better. Is that still happening? Yes, they have, they have gotten much better. We finally have a good coach. We spent about 10 or 12 years with, uh, just stupid higher after stupid higher and they we finally, we finally have a guy that actually uh looks like uh looks like he knows what the heck he's doing and isn't doing it just for a paycheck so um so yeah kansas has been awful i mean just dreadful for the last 10 12 years and then uh west of here we have kansas state who's been who is really kind of you know the in-state rival and they and they are year in year out pretty pretty darn good. They were Big Twelve champions last year, so us, us KU fans that like to uh, get on their level again one of these days. I'm trying to think of who the Kansas hire was that was a big hire that did not work out. I wonder if that was somebody from like Michigan. Uh, Charlie Weiss. Oh my God! You guys had Charlie Weiss. How many years yeah, was Turner Charlie Gill. Weiss? We had Turner Gill. And we had Les Miles. Oh my God! That... And they and they all and they all sucked. <laughs> well, Charlie, they were all awful. Charlie Weiss. So right now you have uh, Lance Leopold. Is that right? Leipold. Leipold. Lance Leipold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie Weiss. Once, even though he did not succeed at Notre Dame, it's still a name. Or everyone's like, oh, let's hire uh, – he was not good. No, I mean, if, if, if you can't win at Notre Dame, what the hell makes you think you can win at Kansas? Well, I wouldn't say that's yeah. not necessarily fair anymore. You shouldn't win at – you shouldn't win at Notre Dame. If you win at Notre Dame, you got to be a pretty good coach. Yeah, but, but the recruiting so much easier there. Yeah, but not nobody, as easy it was when Lou Holtz was there. Who wants to go to Notre Dame? They're an independent. You're, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the NIL deals is with Notre Dame. Well, as, as an independent, Notre Dame has their own TV deal with NBC, though, too. So they yeah. make a lot of money. Boy, and that really, yes, they made a lot of money. And when they were good, that was a good, a big deal. They're not so good anymore. Yeah. Uh, they just went to like the final four a few years ago, but they didn't play anybody all year and they got smoked in, in the, in the final yeah. four. So yeah. That's the advantage of being an independent right there. Uh, yep. but, uh, yeah, Kansas, uh, from what I understand is a, a good offense and, uh, I'm showing yes, their, their offense. Fantastic. I'm showing my college football genius right now. I, I watch college football. Uh, I'm a Michigan State Spartan uh, fan, and I go to a bunch of the games and everything, and I don't pay attention to 
Arkansas are in Kansas and Kansas State, except when they're at like the top of the rankings. So I should stop talking. Well, we're, get, we're, we're getting some kids from Michigan um, coming to coming to Kansas, though. Are these uh, Michigan Wolverines that weren't going to see the field? No, these are high school kids. They're uh, Isaiah Marshall. It was between Michigan State and us for uh, Nick Marsh, the receiver that you guys. Oh, did, he probably uh, picked the better place. Yeah. Receivers go to die at Michigan State. I'm sorry to say it. But <laughs> the offense, no matter, and we've only had a couple of coaches now for the longest time, but our offense is not wide receiver friendly. It's right. we use wide receivers for big plays, but we don't use them for any other plays. So it's for any other plays. run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And uh, when you don't have a, an outstanding running back, it doesn't work out a lot. But <laughs> uh, well, once, once every well, eight we, years, we the, get a really good running yeah. back. <laughs> Well, I mean, but hey, you got a uh, you got Kirk Cousins on a uh, Netflix quarterback. Though. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Kirk Cousins snore. That's probably really boring. Uh, Pat, is that he is, he is he's he's more interesting than you think. Really on that show. Uh, yeah, it seems like he's only interesting when he's completely fired up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's when that's when he lets loose. But uh, also Patrick Mahomes. Who is the other quarterback on that? Uh, Marcus Mariota. Uh, is he even playing this year with somebody? What team is he on? He is. I I had to look that up because when I was watching, I did the same thing. Who in the world is he playing for? He uh, he signed with the Eagles, so he must be the Eagles' backup. Didn't he just like quit when he was on the Falcons? Yeah. Didn't he just be like, you know what, I'm just going home? Yeah, they uh, did like in week what 14 or 15 or something like that. They went with the. Uh, with the kid that they drafted, he's kind of said, well, the hell with it then. I'm out of here. But that's a terrible. I'm going to go home. How do you get another job after that? Obviously, they're going to put that kid in, and you're going to be the backup, and you're supposed to, come on. You already knew you weren't the future. For one, you're Marcus Mariota. Let's get off right. your high horse, dude. You, you've already passed your prime, and it wasn't that high. So let's calm and down. And it wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah, calm down about yourself right now. But I can't believe this is the backup for the Eagles. Talk about, geez, I tell you, it seems like yeah. the dumber thing you do, the better situation you put yourself in. <laughs> uh, you know, Antonio Brown did everything he could do to destroy his career, and then he ended up on the Buccaneers with Tom Brady. <laughs> and he destroyed yeah. that too. But <laughs> Yeah, and he, he destroyed that too. Uh, ben, he should have been a Raider, right? He should. He should be right where he is right now jobless yes. uh and having everything cave in around him that he caused uh it it gets to you eventually uh ben what do you do for a living non-specifically i uh <laughs> i do i do sales for uh, uh a local pbs tv station so, so called ktwu so i sell i sell underwriting well, basically, I sell anything they want me to sell. So, so when they're doing a telethon for money, that's your busiest time of the year. Yeah. So when we do pledge and stuff like that, yeah they they actually let me uh, they actually let me be on TV sometimes. So I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what their thinking is, but they let me do it. Well, it's PBS. They don't have a lot of people. But uh, that's right. So, that's right. 
so you're selling ad and kind of fundraising at the same exact time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's gotta be tough right now for, uh, because just because of the world we live in right now, I would think that all PBS stations are like, not what it used to be. Yeah. It's kind of not what it, it, it used to be per se, but I tell you, people who enjoy PBS are diehards. I mean, they are, and it's amazing. The older you get, the more truthfully, you almost kind of start watching some PBS. I mean, 30 years old, there was nothing on PBS I was watching. Now I'll be, I'll be 55 in August and there's, you know, four or five different shows that I'm going, wow, this is really pretty good, pretty good stuff. So probably, probably an age thing, but, but, uh, they have, they have some good shows and we do, we, we also produce some of our own, uh, local shows. So, uh, tell me about your wife, Wenda, and I really want to hear about where you took her on your first date. Think back. Wendy, where are we going on our first date? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one because we had known each other for so long before we started dating that uh <laughs> It felt I, like uh, it felt like you had a ton of first dates up until that point. It's hard to Yeah, I mean I <laughs> I mean, we, we met each other because uh, I played slow pitch softball with her ex-husband. So, <laughs> Who was her husband at the time? You didn't play with her ex-husband. Yes. Okay. So that's yeah. how you uh, you guys came into each other's lives and reconnected uh-huh. later. But you had experience being around her, so you don't remember <clears throat> an actual official first date. Probably took her to a dive bar. Well, you would be surprised how often that happens. <laughs> I pro- and now, now now she now she loves the dive bars. I, I took her to all the dive bars that I think she had never been to in Topeka, and now now she's uh, she, now she loves the dive bar. What what classifies a bar as a dive bar in your opinion? Um, <clears throat> let's see. I would have to say they probably don't sell food. Oh, okay. You're, you're gonna have, you're gonna have at any given time when you go in, there's gonna be three or four people who are in there all the time, and they have their own seat at the bar. Yep, yep. And and then um, usually I like the dive bars that are have more of an eclectic group. You know, you're gonna have, you know, your white collar guy who was in there just trying to get away from everything, but then you got your blue collar guy. But you know what? They're sitting next to each other at the bar, and they're both yelling at the TV with the football game. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's no, there's there's no, uh, there's no food menu. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, you know, drink drink of the day unless it's Wednesday and it's a dollar off a schooner. What type thing? What's playing on the jukebox? Yeah, yeah well, playing on the jukebox. That's gonna be. I don't know. That's going to vacillate between probably, <clears throat> excuse me, 
classic rock and country. Uh, well, you know, Crazy by Patsy Cline is going to play on that jukebox at some point. That is going to – Crazy by Patsy – well, probably – she's going to have the probably 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. slot, probably, uh, probably not the happy hour slot. So, you know, probably uh, Patsy Cline followed by uh, Kid Rock would not be, uh, not be you know, unheard of. Don't Stop Believing by Journey is on that jukebox. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, on, definitely on that jukebox. Definitely. Uh, and then when somebody says, hey, uh, Kid Rock's going to play next, you get really excited, and it turns out to be that damn song with Sheryl Crow. <laughs> <laughs> that they played on the radio like every fourth song when it came out, and you're like, I hate this song yeah. already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, ben, have you had any near-death experiences in your life? Near-death experiences? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. I would probably say yes. <laughs> I mean, there was a time... I can remember a time screwing around with uh, fireworks backed up, <laughs> fell off the top of a of a low bridge about twelve feet into the creek, and my head landed about two inches away from a big ass rock. Oh! So uh, did the fireworks cause the fall off the bridge? No, it was uh, lighted back up, and I forgot where the hell I was at. So. <laughs> Um, let's see. That's, you know, I'm, what? I'm sure, I'm sure there's probably been, been a few others. I just can't think of But if you come up with head. one, that's, that's more than enough. Uh, I was hoping <laughs> you weren't going to have any, but you know what? You survived. So, uh, there gen you go. generally when a story starts, well, there's this time with fireworks and you're like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> the fireworks had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was just it was just me you know, not not recognizing uh, you know where I was at. So, Ben, when you were young in your neighborhood, were you playing baseball before a a little league thing could happen? I'm talking younger than twelve or thirteen. Were you playing baseball with your friends? Oh, 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 hell yeah! What Definitely. did what did I that mean, look like? Because you did not find seventeen friends to play a complete game of baseball. So, what did those games and rules look like? Man, that was I mean that goes back to you're closed in certain parts of the field. You have ghost runners. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. if you got, if you got a couple people in the infield and one outfielder, then it's like, okay, right field and center field are closed, you know, and then you have ghost runners. And, you know, then of course you're going to have the fight, whether the ghost runner actually scored before you made the out. Oh boy. That, that's you know, the fight of the ghost you know. runner scoring still. Yes. I mean, there was no rule. So of course arguments no. nonstop. Uh, so you yeah. were, you were closing off fields. You were not giving the batter choices as to what fields to close off. Oh yeah. Correct. Yeah. There's yeah. We were, we were, we were, we were closing them off. We, we would decide that before the game. Okay. And uh, was this on a grass field with a baseball or did you have to work around those things too? Oh no, we used we used a real baseball. 
And uh, I grew up in uh, um, North Topeka, which was a little bit <clears throat> more rural. So everybody up there was probably on a an acre lot or more. So we had a, we had bigger backyards that we could actually uh, that we could actually play ball in. And so, uh, those were those were uh, those were good times. So yeah. Did you play anything like? Uh, and the names might be different, but like Hotbox or Five Hundred or anything like that. Oh yeah, we played Five Hundred. Um, definitely played a lot of Five Hundred. Um, Hotbox are probably what the, like a pickle, getting the pickle. Yep. Yep. Yeah, going back and forth. Oh yeah, we did. We we did all of that. So you being a so, bigger uh, dude, I kind of forgot about five hundred. You being a bigger dude, you're probably bigger than your friends at that point too. So you were dominating five hundred, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say dominating. So I had some <laughs> other guys that were. We had some guys in the neighborhood that were a couple years older than me. So I, I may I may be bigger now, but but like a lot of guys, when I graduated high school, you know, I was you know. I was, I was still slim. Uh, Topeka, Kansas, the Western Baseball Club of Topeka, Kansas, talking to Ben Coates. Uh, ben, tell everybody when they come to Topeka to partake in some 19th century baseball, where is the place they're going to want to go to eat? If you're going to um, out there by Lake Shawnee, there is, believe it or not, a dive bar that serves food called the shack and it has one of the best burgers that you're going to eat but i have written down that ben says dive bars don't serve food how is that a dive well, bar that does serve food what's the difference well it's it's not your typical dive bar so it's <laughs> i guess it, it, i guess the shack probably is not a dive bar as much it's really kind of more of a not fancy family owned kind of bar I mean, it's it, when you walk in, it is nothing special. But you are going to see families eating. They have a great burger, and uh, it's 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 not going to be, uh, you know, the the, uh, the 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 guy walking in smelling like four day old cigarettes and 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 Fireball whiskey. So, oh, did you say Fireball? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> You say that like there's something wrong smelling like cigarettes and fireball, Ben. I don't understand. That's sometimes uh, in my youth when I was a smoker, uh, that would be what I would call cologne. <laughs> uh, ben, thank you so much for being on the show, uh, being a good sport and all, and not knowing anything about me or the show and coming on. I'm sorry my co-host couldn't make it. Uh, that seems to be a, a running bit on the show is Rudy's late or he doesn't show it all. But uh, <laughs> uh, I do appreciate coming on. But before you go, I do this segment at the end of a lot of my episodes where I, I have a segment where I give you the old pepper with a lot of quick questions with a lot of quick answers. Okay. So here we go. Ben Coates of the Westerns Baseball Club of Topeka, Kansas. If you had to eat a crayon, what color would you pick? To eat a crayon, I think I'd have to go with uh, purple because I like Great Pop the best. What is your favorite horror movie? Favorite horror movie? Uh, let's go with Halloween. 
great Original. answer. Great answer. Uh, in your opinion, can you name an overrated Major League Baseball player, past or present? Overrated? Yes. Oh, um, wow. It's that is there are so many. Man, there are quite a few. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a lot of people mad, but I'm gonna say Pete Rose. Oh, you are gonna make a lot of people mad. That's all right. Uh, I mean, great player, but man, he, I mean, people—he's oh, the greatest hitter ever. He's not in the top twenty of best hitters. He's a compiler, right? He just played yeah, forever. I mean, he, he, he had to become a player manager to break the record. Oh, because no one else was going to put him in. Can you can you feel the the hate coming out of Ben towards <laughs> Pete Rose? There was no other answers to this question. It was always going to be Pete Rose. <laughs> Ben, name something you're allergic to. Morphine. <laughs> That's uh, the only thing I know I'm allergic to. Uh, what is your shoe size? 13. Did you ever collect baseball cards as a kid? Yes, I did. What was your favorite card? Um, I had a Hank Aaron card that I loved. What is your favorite vegetable? Favorite vegetable. Um, I am going to say, uh, I love green peas or my wife when she broils asparagus a certain way is outstanding. What is your favorite wood for a bat? Um, my next bat I'm going to order is probably going to be probably maple. Uh, next question. Are we alone? Are we, are we talking existential or are we talking uh, I don't know, just a little question. green men? Are we alone? Huh? No, we're not alone. We're not alone. Especially if you have Alexa in your house. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> that Those just freak me out. <laughs> don't say that too loud. I'm surprised mine didn't start <laughs> saying something. Uh, what? Who was your favorite Muppet? Um, it would have to be Gonzo or the two old guys up in the opera box. Oh, uh, Waldorf and, oh, what's the other one's name? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, but then again, but then again, the Swedish cook and what Melonhead were fantastic. <laughs> that's hard, man. I mean, how, Muppets how do you great. have a favorite Muppet? That's true. Uh, what is the best, according to you? The best fast food chicken sandwich. Best fast food chicken sandwich. Um, and it's it's probably Chick Fil A. And uh, paper or plastic? Paper. And on a scale of one to ten, how important was algebra to your life? After you graduate. Algebra? Yes. One. <laughs> I hate math. I was never good at math. I hated I hated algebra. I never I never I could never understand it. Yeah, I I've yet to run into a uh, a situation in my life where I'm like, God, if I just would have been better at algebra, I'd figure this out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and then we, and then we were always told we were never going to have a calculator on us all the time either. And I look what happened. 
Yeah. We get everything on us at all the time now. It's That's incredible. right. It's incredible. Alexa, never mind. <laughs> uh, I hate now, for some reason, for some reason, this never happened. We didn't change the settings on her or anything, but now she just comes up and she plays this loud noise every night to tell us it's going to rain tomorrow. Like, <laughs> It's, it's not even hard rain. Well, it's going to rain for a couple hours. It's, it's going to be a sprinkle. And she's like, I just want to let you know, it's going to rain tomorrow. Oh, jeez. Like, dude, don't bother me for that stuff. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, yes, they're all listening. But if if the humans are listening to us, then the aliens are absolutely listening to us. I mean, there's no doubt. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Everybody's listening. Uh, ben... Thank you so much for coming on the show. This this episode has completed me. I have now I have now hit the Kansas area, and I and I'm so happy that we have. And I hope that uh, all the teams in Kansas and the surrounding area will find this podcast, will listen to this podcast, and then I hope to come back to Kansas with even more uh, interviews in the very near future. Well, I, I, I put on my, I put on my Facebook page that, you know, if anybody was bored off the, you know, bored off the rocker tonight that I was going to be on a podcast. So we'll see if we'll see, we'll see, you know, we might get three more people, man. Bored off the rocker, Ben, you defined what a dive bar is. It's going to be the title of the episode. They're not getting that anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate you coming on the show. You take care of yourself and uh, good luck and, and safe travels for the rest of your season. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun and, uh, I really appreciate what you're doing and, and kind of keeping the vintage baseball thing kind of top of mind and let people, uh, see how we, how we used to play the game and keeping that alive. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the kind words, Ben. You take care of yourself, huh? Hey, you too. Have a good night. You too. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Roller Around the Barrel. We will uh, have more episodes in the future because that's what we do. What a dumb thing to say. Ben, you're still here. That was pretty dumb. (laughs) We we hope you're going to have more, right? (laughs) Let me just state the obvious. All right, everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, big news, Rudy will be back next week. I can't confirm that. I'm just saying that because it sounds right. Take care.